Well, good morning, everybody. <laughs> it was a chilly morning this morning. I, I, I'm, I'm in worship and I'm like this. And, uh, I like to say it's all the Spirit of God, but I was a little chilly personally. But uh, yeah, God's good. Oh, I forgot. I think there's is there something downstairs? Yes, I hear there's children's church down. So I spend a lot of time. Uh, I knew what God wanted to what put in my heart to speak to everybody this morning, you know, a week ago, but I didn't know how to, you know, spit it out. So up until a couple of days ago, I was still fumbling over myself, and you know, I just what was really on my heart was essentially um, discussing about what God's will is for our lives. You know, there's a corporate will of God that I can, that you can read in the Bible, but there's also a personal will of God for each in, in each individual person. But I also wanted to discuss uh, the insecurity a little bit that we have with other believers. We tend to compare ourselves to other believers and say, well, they can do this, well, I can't. That's just a lie of the devil. That's fear. So I'm just going to open up in a prayer. And uh, I'm not this spiritual because this prayer I'm about to pray, I stole from Paul. So. so, Father, I pray. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same that as the mighty strength exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand. In the heavenly realms, for all, above, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I just want to add, Lord, help me proclaim your word clearly and boldly and full of your truth and grace. In your name we pray. See, Paul wrote, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God that I may have said and done by the power of the and signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem and all the way around to Iliacum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. 
Later on, John wrote, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they didn't love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Basically what our proclamation is, first and foremost, what Christ did for us. Our second proclamation is what Christ did through us. And that's what Paul stated in the first statement in Romans 15, verses 8 through 19. So I'm going to share a few testimonies from my personal life, some of this week, some when I was younger. And then I want to jump into uh, God's corporate will for the church. Because it's that corporate will and obeying that corporate will that ultimately leads God to his personal will that he has for each and every individual believer. So, I guess starting back when I was younger, I got saved. I got saved in a supernatural way, much how Paul talked about how he was one abnormally born, as I was one abnormally born in the same way. I was an atheist before I was saved. I had a dream one night. I got shot in my stomach. I died. I went to my own funeral, saw my dead body in the casket. I saw my family and friends that were crying over my dead body. I was trying to comfort them in this dream, telling them, I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm right here. But they couldn't hear me or see me. So I went into a bathroom and got down on the floor and I started bawling. I started crying. And while I was there, Jesus then appeared to me in my dream. He says, all you ever had to do is acknowledge me as Lord of your life and ask forgiveness of sins and you will live. That was the first time in my life I had ever heard the gospel. In my dream, I got down on my knees and I prayed, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of everything that I had ever done. And I stood up and he embraced me and I embraced him. We went back to the funeral. Only this time it wasn't a funeral. It was something different. Same people were there. My family and friends were all there. But now this time, I was alive. They knew who I was. I was able to talk to them. I said goodbye to all my family and friends. And me and Jesus walked off into the darkness together with his glow around, a light around us. That's how, that's how I came to know Jesus. Okay? As one I've normally born, much in the same way as Paul. Okay. Fast forward about two years. I applied to approximately 12 different Bible colleges. God closed the doors to every one of these Bible colleges, and I'm in tears. Lord Jesus, please open the door. I want to go to college. I know you called me to go into Bible college. So I just got my last, you know, I did Focus on the Family, Knox Theological Seminary, Moody. I did all these big-name colleges that you hear about. And then uh, a pastor friend of mine mentioned about uh, Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. So I prayed, Lord Jesus, if you get me accepted to Brownsville, I'll do everything that I can to get down there. I didn't even have the money to send in for the uh, tuition or for the application fee. So I, sent, I, I just sent, filled out my application. I sent it in. Less than two weeks later, I had a call from my roommate saying, hey, you're my roommate. I had no clue. I, had no clue. I didn't even get an acceptance letter yet. Um, uh, two nights later, I was watching a guy by the, Marie, by the name of Maurice Scalar playing the violin and whatnot. He called me out of the crowd and said, hey, you come up here. He started praying over me. He says, God's called you to Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. Whoa. And by that, you know, I started going all boo-hooing and stuff. Next thing you know, somebody gives me $2,000 out of the blue to get down to, get down to, to Bible college. So I went to Bible college. And, we, and 
you know, I got to see great things happen down there. Oh, and I was talking to Nancy Brown, Dr. Brown's uh, wife, and she was a uh, head of admissions and stuff. And she says, and I've shared the same story with her. She says, there's no way that you would have got accepted because I collect all the money. I says, I never sent it in. You can check. You know? And uh, became real good friends with Dr. Brown and Nancy over the years. Down there, we see cool things happening. You know, I... That was down there was the first place I ever had somebody come up to me and say, are you, are you a believer? What must I do to be saved? People literally coming up to you and asking you that question. The move of God was so great down there. Uh, I've got one on missions trips and into foreign lands, you know, over to India. And there's people over there. I've seen every healing possible that you read in the book of Acts except for the resurrection of the dead, you know. Unfortunately, during that trip was the first time I ever had somebody die in my arms. And, uh, I mean, when, you see, when you're in there and you pray for somebody with leprosy, you lay your hands on them and tell them to be healed in Jesus' name. You don't see nothing happen, but the next day they show up and they say, Who is this person? Oh, you, got, you, you guys were the ones who laid hands on them. I just happened to be that group of a handful of people that laid hands on this lady. Completely healed. Okay. Again, the... Paul, Paul says, I'm only going to proclaim what Christ has done through me. You know? And, you know, I know I'm crossing the border with this next statement, and I apologize. You can throw it to the wayside if you want to. But this is the first place, place where, you know, I've seen demons manifest in the past, but these demons manifested spoke to us in perfect English. We bound the demons. We got the person saved. Cast the demons out. And these people couldn't speak English anymore. But the death that was in their life turned to light. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen these Indian people when you put, in a, just all in this one trip, when you put your hands on these people and their eyes are white from blindness, and then they have brown eyes when you take your hands off. That's cool. I really like that. Okay. Now, fast forward a couple years. Uh, you know, shortly, you know, I move up here. I backslid for a couple of years. I let sin get in. Guess what? I stopped seeing God move in my life. When I when I was seeing God move, when I just got saved and all this stuff was fresh in me, you know, I'm I'm trying to live this righteous life. I'm trying to live the life that God called us to. And we'll get to that shortly. You know. But now then about I got married short, you know, after a few years of being up here, and I start front sliding. I gotta be a man of God. I'm a husband. I got a wife and kids to worry about. You know? And really about five years ago, I started really focusing and getting serious about the things of God again. And now that I'm really starting to get serious about the things of God, that's not saying I haven't messed up in the meantime. There's stuff that I have had, still had to deal with. I had to confess stuff to my wife. But since then, I've really been, a, been able to start seeing God move. I've seen a handful of small healings where I've prayed for somebody, and whether it's over the phone, on a text message, and they say... Oh wow, my back just stopped hurting, you know. But uh, but frankly, you know, it's, it's still not comparable to what we saw, what we had seen in India, you know, what we'd seen down in, on the streets of Pensacola. We see what we're seeing now is people's hearts being opened and lives being changed by sharing our faith with the with the people around us, you know. Miss Cynthia over here, she's an example. You know, there's so much life that's coming into her that it's not funny. You know, and at least a small part, I think, is due to us. You know, 
Uh, we've had people, you know, that we've talked to just last year, uh, almost a year ago to the day, you know. It was uh, Jan- uh, January 1st, New Year's night. We had a couple come over. And we gave them the gospel. We told them about creation all the way through the cross. And then that night, we proved to them that Jesus answers prayers by praying for the Northern Lights. We, you know, they kept in touch with us just a little bit. And then in November, they get back to us and say, hey, we're real Christians now. We just got baptized in April. And fast forward to recently, you know, I had the opportunity to tell one guy who works on uh, sensors on airplanes. Mitsubishi sent him up just this last week. You know, I got to give him the, basically the entire gospel. I explained to him why we believe what we believe, why Jesus had to die on the cross, about the forgiveness of sins, that it can't be anything on our own work, but it's something that we have to receive. He actually admitted with his own lips that he's lying, thieving, and adulterer at heart, and he's probably going to hell. And then he thanked me for it. You know? I don't know what happened, you know, with him. But it, you know, he says he's definitely going to be thinking about our discussions. He had a nuclear physicist last week. You know, I was able to share the gospel with. I wasn't able to share the entire gospel. But I was able to share from basically creation and they had to go right before I got to the cross, which was a bummer. But uh, he admitted that, uh, you know, from our discussions and stuff, that there had to be a creator, but life on this planet had to be from aliens. You know, it doesn't make sense to me. Why, why stop there? You acknowledge a creator, but why, why stop that? Uh, why, why, does, why believe in a creator that steps back? You know, he asked me, well, what, what, what university did you go to? Or were you self-taught? I said, well, I'm self-taught. He shakes my hand and says, good job. You know, coming from a nuclear physicist, that was, you know, that was a little encouraging. You know, but I'm, I'm after God's approval, not his. But occasionally it feels good to get approval from a man. Uh, but all that to say is uh, it comes from beginning to live and walk out the will of God for our individual lives. And there's several places in the Bible. There's no less than, well, there's no less than five, but i got four right off the bat. I'll go through with you. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. See, he's not telling you to understand because you can't figure it out. He's telling you to understand because you can figure it out. And later on, that we should, be, we should have all been, have been taught it by now. He goes on talking about do not get drunk with wine, and, and, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know, I'll go to the next one. Do not conf- uh, Romans chapter 12 states, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's something that we, we are able to test. It's not, it's not something mysterious. God's, specifically I'm talking about right now, His corporate will for everybody who calls himself a Christian. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9 states, For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding. 
that the Spirit gives, so you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. That's the fruit of doing God's will. Not just that you know His will, but then this will be the result of the will of God. Bearing good fruit, patience, and joy. But there's so many Christians out there, you know, they say the joy of the Lord's my strength is they got a frown across their face. Yeah, what joy? The problem is, is they're bound in their sin. Again, in 1 Thessalonians, uh, starting in chapter 4, starting right around verse 3, it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lusts like the pagans, who do not know God. And in that matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of his brother and sister. The Lord will punish those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. These sins are taking place because they've stepped out of God's will. He says what God's will is and not in this thing that some of you guys are doing. See, all these letters were written to the church and not to the unbeliever. Which means the church was starting to mess around on things that were outside of God's will and God's perfect plan. God states that uh, to be holy as you're holy, or as, as I, the Lord your God, am holy. That means to be set apart unto God in the specific way that we're supposed to live. You know, I, I want to discuss about the insecurities that we're having. There's so many people, including me. You know, me and, Por- me and uh, our family and Porter's family have been doing evangelism, you know, here and there. And, uh, one thing I've noticed is we both have insecurities towards each other. You know, he thinks I'm all that. I think, dude, you're all that. And I'm sure that we're not the only two in this church that have those feelings. Preach it, Jesse. Preach it, Jesse. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not the only one in this church that has these feelings. The thing is that those, that intimidation, that insecurity, that's fear. And that doesn't come from God. That comes from the devil. And what that does is it puts chains around us, preventing us from being able to get out there and do what God's calling us to do. See, the Bible states that... Uh, somewhere in the Bible. First John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect fear drives out. Our perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now I'm pulling this verse out of context because the context says, goes on to state that if you claim you love God but not your brother, the truth is not in you. When it states that, you know, in the following verses, that's saying that you're not really saved, you're just fooling yourself. You're putting Christianity on as a badge for your social life, for whatever benefit that you need. But if the truth truly is in you and you love both God and each other, your brothers and sisters, now that badge you're not, no longer wearing in vain. You're no longer breaking the third commandment.
So we need to realize, you know, what Paul points out in 1 Corinthians. He says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose. You notice planting and watering are two different things done by two entirely different people. But the one who waters and the one who plants, they have one purpose. And that's to see the kingdom of heaven advanced and the kingdom of darkness retreat. It says, and they will each be rewarding, rewarded according to their own labor. Their own labor, that's possessive. That means a labor that they are individually working on that God has called them to. I'm not called to be like porters, nor are porters called to be like me. Nor am I called to be anybody, like anybody of you around you. Or you guys, none of you are called to be like me. You guys are called to be like who God is raising you up to be. But the problem, the problem, I'm trying. The problem is, we let sin get in the way. We let compromise. And I don't believe we're letting the sin and compromise get in intentionally. I just don't think we're aware of that what sin is sin. I think so many things we're overlooking, we're saying it's not too bad, or just as bad, we're not even thinking about it. And because we're not thinking about the sin, we're putting shackles around God from working in our lives because we're not doing what God has called us to do. See, for the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That's what Paul's writing Timothy is. He's afraid to have to confront the elders. We're not to be shy. I mean, I'm scared to death to bring this message. But if I'm walking in the spirit of heaven, I don't have to be afraid. The worst part about talking to anybody is getting over yourself. The problem is, is yourself's in the way because you're afraid. Why? Because you love yourself more than you love them. Therefore, you don't want to share with them because you don't want to make yourself look bad. I'd rather look bad. I'd rather be looked down by each and every one of you, though I'd hate that feeling, than have God look down on me. So I want to proclaim the truth boldly and truthfully and as clearly as I can to each and every one of you. God's blessed me at this time of my life. You know, I came to the realization, or I think it's a realization, when we went down to North Carolina. Here's another story. You know, first 20 years of my life was my time in Egypt. At the end of that 20 years, I got to re- get, get right with God. The next 20 years is my time in the wilderness, where I'm not really doing nothing for God but learning. Well, guess what? I just turned 40. I'm entering in the next 20 years. And that's the 20 years of leadership and ministry that I believe God is calling me into. I don't remember why I was going on that, but... Oh yeah, stories. God, God's re- revelation and just the cool stuff that God does. See, non-intentionally I marked my wife. I put my mark on her chin. You know, but uh, 
what happened was is uh, we, we were driving. We just made it uh, past Lyon Hot Springs and drove a couple hours. It was about it was mid 40s out, and we're cruising cruising along. Sun's out. Next thing we know, it starts to rain. But we're not thinking nothing of it. It's still way above freezing. As it's raining, we drive for a couple hours, and we end up going through a fog bank, go down one hill, up another, and start going down another. We didn't make it down that hill. The bus started spinning. I tell, the, tell everybody to sit down. I didn't know if they were sitting down or not. And we're in this big old bus going downhill. As this bus then goes into the ditch, goes broadside into the ditch. And you know what? This top-heavy school bus, it didn't top, topple over. It stayed upright. You know? I believe there was an angel sitting right there that held that bus upright. Just like we had an experience a couple years earlier when we were driving around a Jeep. And I literally, kid you not, this moose hit a Holy Ghost wall. Because as this moose is coming out, we're pulling a 2,000-pound trailer and a little Jeep Wrangler. We only had two kids at the time. And this moose comes running across, running right across the road. And his head hit something and curled itself backwards. And the moose fell straight down. And that allowed us to get over enough so that when this next moose, this baby moose, came running, we just missed the baby. Okay, well, something similar than that happened. Why? Because now we're, you know, now we're walking out God's will. We're trying to intentionally do stuff. And God had to speak to me because I'm hard-headed. Or as the Bible talks about being hard-hearted. Because I was trying to get from North Carolina to Fairbanks, Alaska by November 1st. We got here by November 2nd, so it was... Wasn't so bad, but uh, we would have been on time had this not happened. And uh, at any rate, I looked at my wife. She has her chins kind of hanging there a little bit. By God's grace, she got hit in the chin with a propane tank and not one inch lower. So she's still here today. We got to the bottom of the hill and we decided. I, I said, "Okay, I'm going to sew you up." And uh, we noticed there was a vehicle down there. Had we not, not gone in the ditch, we would never had the opportunity to talk to this vehicle. So I sold Becky up and says, hey, you want to make up some coffee? I'm going to go out there and see if they need help. They had just got clipped by a semi. It took off a little plastic off the rear fender and sheared their driver's side mirror off. Didn't touch any, any of the rest of the vehicle. And I says, well, this didn't happen by accident. As my wife then brings, is bringing coffee out and we're giving them coffee. Now these Texas boys, are, they're listening because we just brought them hot coffee. And I started giving them the gospel. Next thing you know, she comes out with some, some quesadillas. Now, she makes good quesadillas. And I says, well, you're going to listen. I'm going to tell you about Jesus now, and you're going to listen to me because I just gave you food. I, I just, that's the way I told them. God gave me boldness. And they just, they said, yep. So I spent the next hour and a half there giving them the gospel. We had the opportunity to give them the gospel. See, we're a team, you know. She's my mouthpiece when we're doing tours. And it's my job to be out there praying for her on, the, on those runners. And then when I'm done with the dogs, then I can come in and be her backup. But while I'm up here, I'm her mouthpiece. And I, I, I know she's back there praying for me right now and rooting me on. You know, we're a team. Your family is your team. The person to your right and your left is your team that God's already placed you with. And you don't have anybody immediately to your right and your left? Look behind you. Because we are all one family. We are all one team. Amen. 
amends. Okay, I'm going to skip through Romans. I'm going to jump down to Ephesians. I was tempted to read the, the entire book of Ephesians today because there's so much in there. I was telling my wife, I heard about one guy who memorized the book of Ephesians. He took out the I, Paul parts and just left it as I as, as if he was the minister saying it. Most of the church, or over half the church, said this was the worst sermon you ever preached. Just a handful of the church says, oh, that was a great sermon, Pastor. But they didn't realize it was directly out of the book of Ephesians. But there's so much in there speaking of God's will for our lives. And like I said, so often we don't know what it is. But we need to start with our lifestyle. Once we start with our lifestyle, we were discussing a little bit this morning about the little foxes. And little foxes are what ruin the vine. It was two little foxes that that Samson tied their tails together and destroyed the Philistines' crops. Did great damage with two little foxes. It's those little things in your life that you let creep in that ruin what God wants to do in your life. Paul says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That means there's a certain way we're supposed to live. Not just a matter of saying, Yep, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. He says, Go and say, Be completely humble. I got a little joke that, you know, my last church, they gave me a badge that said most humble, but then they took it away because I wore it. (laughs) Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Father of all who is over all and through all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why it says, because he ascended on high, he took many captives and gifts for his people. But let's let's rewind. To each one of us, he has given grace as he has apportioned it. We all have that measure of grace. It's learning how to walk in it. It's learning how to use it. And it's t- getting rid of those little foxes, skinning them out, hanging them on there, just, just kill those little things. He says, Christ gave himself, gave, he says, so Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Why? To equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son, and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, this statement's put in for this life, not just the one to come. Again, this is written to the church, not to the unbelievers. It says, then, then we will no longer be infants. He goes on, talks a little bit fast forward. He says, from him the whole body is joined together, and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. 
In a second, I'm going to go into the scary stuff. But right now, this is talking about one body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are to build each other in love. Build up each other in love and in gentleness. We're to be encouraging each other. Not comparing ourselves to each other. Amen. If you want to compare yourselves to each other, then compare them in the way Paul says. I wish that you would follow me as I follow Christ. He's not saying saying do exactly the same things. He's saying with the same heart that I have for Jesus, as I am going after Jesus, as I am studying and spending time with Him, I wish you guys would all do the same thing. It says, talks about the is don't in the futility of his thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated their life of God. Their life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of, way you learned. Meaning, he taught them otherwise. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former life to put your old self off, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, to be put on the new self, to create created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. Are you trying to make yourself look better in front of people and therefore stretch the truth just a little bit? That's falsehood. We're supposed to put that off. Again, do you want to look good in the eyes of God or in the eyes of man? Yes, I admit, it feels good to to look good in the eyes of man. But I'd far rather look good in the eyes of God. He says, speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. That anger you hold on to. The kid was acting up. I'm mad at him. It's going to give the devil a foothold. The neighbor was acting up. He said something I didn't like. I'm mad at him. Guess what? The devil's getting a foothold. And your heart's going to get corrupted. Just recently, I had a hard time because I had this perfect, pristine snow, uh, dog sled trail that I didn't have a single snowmobile track on. And we had snowmobile tracks go all through there and whatnot. And I was a little bit grumpy because I liked showing the tourists and stuff this pristine, perfect Alaska. Well, first off, Alaska isn't perfect. Second off, I had to just get over myself because the people aren't necessarily there to see how pristine the snow is so much as to experience Alaska. I had to let the, let go of that anger that I had. Because the devil was getting a foothold and I was starting to get bad feelings that was going on. It's a small thing, but it was going on with me. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How's your talk going? Is there backbiting? Is there talking about what somebody else is doing bad? How much vomit's coming out of your mouth? Well, how much water? How much fresh water and life's coming out of your mouth? 
says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, brawling, anger, slander, along with every kind of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's people. And that was one of the biggest issues in my life. I, you know, when, when I said I backslid, I was starting to get into the porn. I was letting that demon get a hold of me. And that's one of the things I had to confess to my wife. It was a huge lesson that I had to learn, that I was crushing my wife in, an, in the name of a cheap thrill. But once I got over that demon, not saying it doesn't try to come at me every now and again, but now I'm strong enough, I tell my wife, and we can pray it through. And we can overcome this thing. And, and not keep returning to the same sin over and over and over again like a dog to its vomit. We're not called to be dogs. We're called to be kings and priests. Which means we can overcome our sin. We don't have to keep returning. But you can't do it in your own power. That's right. I tried. You think he had this thing kicked for weeks, months, in some cases even years? And the thing raises its nasty head again. You can only do it by the blood of the Lamb and the power of your testimony. And you love not your life unto death. By what Jesus did for you, then what Jesus did through you. And then wanting God's approval more than you want man's. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Are you making bad jokes, talking down about stuff more than you're giving thanks to God? Again, this is about, we're talking about God's will for our lives. These are little foxes that each and every one of us have to learn to get under control before we can truly experience God's personal will for each and every one of our lives so we can walk in the calling of God and where He's bringing us to. He says, These are out, which are out of place or rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person. Such a person is an idolater. Your talk was just in the context of what I just read. Has any inheritance in the kingdom of God? Again, he's talking to the church, not to unbelievers. These are things the church was dealing with. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Somebody saying it's okay? No. That talk is not okay. We just read that. Foolish, coarse joking. Any form of sexual immorality. Even in the mind. Jesus says if you've looked at a person as a lustful after him, you have committed adultery. That is a form of impurity, which is not proper for God's people. And we can each overcome those thought patterns. You confess that stuff to somebody that you trust. You pray together, and you overcome that. 
For you were once darkness, but now you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. That's what we're doing right now. Starting with our lifestyle. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Call sin, sin. Call a spade a spade. Don't overlook it. It's not acceptable. If you're dealing with something, this is a hospital. This is where the sick need to come to get better. You expose it. You don't play with it. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes light. That is why it says, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. You're sleeping because you don't know any better. And it's our job to expose these things to wake the people up. We may need to wake ourselves up. Be very careful then how you live, not as un, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. And that's one thing that my family is really trying to work on, making the most of every opportunity. Every day we have an opportunity to share our faith. Every day, we, if not with an unbeliever, with a believer to build each other up and to encourage each other. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And now it goes into exactly what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. I'll stand right here. <laughs> the lights, sun's in your eyes. <laughs> Okay. Speaking to each other with, with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is God's will for us. To submit to each other. Not just to one person, but to each other. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. As you do the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. Says each one of you also, fast forwarding, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Husbands, are you loving your wives as Christ loved the church? Are you washing her with a word to present her to you as a radiant bride, as Christ does to each one of you? Wives, are you respecting your husbands? Or are you belittling them? Husbands, you have more influence over your wife than any other man out there. Wives, you have more influence over your husbands than any other woman out there. And with a word, you can either make them or break them. Let's try making them. Children, obey your parents. This is still God's will for you. It's applying to everybody. Children, obey your parents, which is right. Honor your father and mother so that it will go well with you. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. This is one i got to keep an eye out on. 
because I got one that's about eight years old now that uh, I get frustrated with every now and again. But that word exasperate is don't make your kid angry. If you're making him angry, it's probably because I'm getting angry. It's a warning. Do not make your children angry. I need to lead them by example, not just by telling them. I can teach as much as I know. I can teach them everything that I know. But what? I'm going to reproduce who I am in them. So if I handle myself by yelling and screaming and hollering at them when they do wrong, guess what? They're going to do the same. It first has a change in me. Slaves, obey your masters. Today we could say employees, obey your employers. Obey them not only to win their favor with them or when their eye is on you, but also as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. This is the will of God for us, to be doing what's right from our heart, not just because somebody's looking. And masters, bosses, parents, treat your slaves, children, employees in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in he- is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. That's a little scary. And finally, be strong in the Lord. We all know this, but we always leave the whole context out before we get to this. Finally, be strong in the Lord. This is the full armor of God. Each and every one of us is put on that full armor of God. The helmet of salvation. Check yourself daily. Are you saved? The breastplate of righteousness. We just went through righteousness. To do what's right. Righteousness is to do what is right. We've got a whole list of Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. Romans has, a, has I think it's 12, 13, and 14, maybe even 15, of telling you what God's will is. And it's almost a mimic of what we're reading here in Ephesians. So put on the breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth. That whole not deceiving people and that kind of stuff. Trying to make yourself look better in the eyes of man than in God. The the, uh, shoes that bring the gospel of peace. So, I'm almost done. And so we need to share our faith. And to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And that's a prayer we need to pray for each and every one of us. So, Lord, I just pray for each and every one of us that we may speak your words boldly and fearlessly, that we may make known the mystery of the gospel because we are all ambassadors of change. Help us to proclaim your truth fearlessly and help us to live out your will because as we live out your will for us, you will make your will known to us individually so that we can walk out your ultimate will for our lives. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Got one more minute.
sorry. No. Very good. Cool. Yeah.